around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment, including integrated applications and services built on an open platform our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field. And today, leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are advancing infrastructure. So welcome to the Engineers Collective to you all. I think this is the first time we've had a nurse on the Engineers Collective and certainly the first time we've had two people with the same name. So I think I might have to refer to Peter C and Peter A. So welcome to you all. So just to set the scene, research by Cancer Research UK has shown that one in two people born after 1960 will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And only half of those diagnosed will survive for 10 years or more. Those are pretty stark statistics. However, the position for the construction sector is starker still. Evidence suggests that people working in the construction industry are more likely to get cancer and die from the disease compared to the national population. Jackie, can you talk us through some of the factors that put workers in the construction sector at more risk than general society, please? Yeah, thanks, Claire. Those statistics are pretty stark. And with regards to the construction sector, there are a few areas that we looked at um, with a number of risk areas. So construction workers are at significantly higher risk of developing and dying from skin cancer. So up to 44% of skin cancer deaths attributed to occupational sun exposure in the UK actually come within the construction industry. Next, that's smoking. Now, that's the leading preventable cause of death in the world. And it's attributed to almost a fifth of all deaths from all causes um, within the UK. And our research showed that 30% of construction workers smoke compared to 15% of the national population. And construction workers are twice likely to smoke every day than, than other people. And then looking at alcohol as a risk factor, 24% of construction workers drink above the government guidelines. That's 14 units per week. And that's compared to 15.5% of the general population. And we, we know that even low levels of drinking alcohol increases the risk of seven types of cancer. So, Claire, when we look at other risk factors, more than 60% of construction workers said that they dealt with their work-related stress through things like comfort eating or drinking alcohol. And research shows us that construction is one of the most stressful sectors, that the Peters and you will, will realise this. And with more than four in five construction workers feeling stressed at some point during a typical week. And moving on then, that is linked to the next risk factor, which is obesity. So you may or may not know that obesity is the UK's biggest cause of cancer after smoking. Obesity and being overweight has been linked to 13 different types of cancer, as well as a whole host of other health issues. So for employees working longer hours, access to healthier food options can be a real challenge. And sometimes their diets can tend to include more foods that are high in fat, salt and sugar. And they can also tend to eat more red and processed meat, less fruit, vegetables and less foods high in fibre. And we also know that obviously with the sector being predominantly male, 
statistically, more men are overweight than women. And unfortunately, we also know that men are more likely to be diagnosed at a later stage when the cancer is harder to treat. That's really interesting. Thank you, Jackie. And I wonder how much more people have been affected over the lockdown as well, with working longer hours and the stress involved. So, Peter C., Jackie talked about lifestyle factors, but what risks does the work on site bring in terms of cancer? We often think about health and safety risks on site as being immediate injuries, but there are some longer term health risks too, aren't there? Uh, yes, absolutely, Claire. Uh, so thanks for that. And I know Jackie just did touch on some of the occupational health risks, but with, you know, without being too dramatic about this, cancers can be caused by a, a wide range of construction activities including some lesser known ones. Um, you know, for example, working on structures which contain lead in the paintwork, you know, such as a historic bridge refurbishment project, for example. You know, that's, a, that, that's one that's often uh, overlooked. Then there's, you know, diesel engine exhaust fumes. They're not just unpleasant, but they're dangerous and can give rise to lung and bladder cancers. There's things like welding fumes. Um, they were classified relatively recently, uh, about 2019, as, a, as carcinogenic. And this relates particularly to those working with mild steel reinforcement, so you know, directly linked to the construction industry. But as you've already said, unlike accidents and incidents uh, on site, cancers can take a long time to develop. So the link between cause and disease is not always obvious at first. Most people will be aware of you know, what the, the latent effect of exposure to asbestos is or was. And, and the latest figures show that we're only just passing the peak of mesothelioma now, you know, some 40 years on from asbestos being identified as a problem. The, the point here is that exposure to silica-based materials could follow the same path. And silica was quite recently classified as well as a, a class one carcinogen. I, I should say only when the materials uh, containing silica has actually been worked on, but nevertheless, it's it's been classified. So if you, if you translate this into the construction industry, you know, cutting paving slabs, cutting asphalt in highways, cutting curbs, drilling into concrete, etc., it becomes a very significant issue. And the problem here is that in practice, the actual activity of cutting these materials is often a you know a relatively quick one. Certainly, you know, for paving slabs and curbs. Um, might only be, say, you know, five minutes. And workers are not going to go to all the trouble of getting the right PPE, RPE, uh, that's respiratory protective equipment, you know, dust suppression equipment, etc., in place for just a few minutes. So the work is carried out, often without protection. And the point here is that these workers are carrying out these activities day in, day out. And sadly, the accumulative effect of breathing and the likes of Respiratory crystalline silica, or RCS, which is a lot easier to say, could well be life damaging, or at, or at worst, even lever life limiting. So it's quite clear there's a real need for more support in the sector to reduce both personal and occupational risk when it comes to cancer. So Jackie, most people would associate Cancer Research UK with more with raising general public awareness and education rather than having a focus on the individual sector. Can you explain some of the steps that the organisation takes when it comes to working with employers and employees before we then come to both Peters to explore in more detail the relationship you have with Amy and the Stop Make a Change programme with Seeker? 
Yes, so Cancer Research UK's Workplace Health Programme um, empowers employees across the UK to take um, positive action for their health. We raise awareness of how they can reduce their risk of cancer and also the importance of spotting the disease early. That's really, really important. I can't stress enough how important that is. So the programme provides tips on how to live a healthier life and outlines how spotting cancer early can save lives and where to go with many concerns. It helps debunk cancer myths and provides evidence-based health information and signposts employees to reliable sources of information about health and cancer. So we work with behaviour change, health and evaluation experts and experienced cancer awareness nurses to design and deliver our evidence-based programme. And together then we create a, a package tailored to suit the workforce's needs to support with raising awareness and encouraging employees to make those positive changes for health. Our cancer awareness services include a range of approaches. Um, so we, we offer an employee health survey. We deliver face-to-face -face activities such as health stands and also workshops. We can develop health communications to staff via a range of different media to suit the organisation. We deliver webinars and also we can deliver training and development. And during the last couple of years, we've worked with Peter and Seeker on the Stop Make a Change campaign. As we realise that raising awareness of these highlighted risks uh, in the sector is really vital in creating an environment for change. We need to read all parts of the supply chain and campaign like Seekers allows us to reach more people and allow workers a chance to, to stop and think, to think more about their health and hopefully feel empowered to make small changes to improve their well-being. So talking about working with the supply chain brings us on nicely to talk about Amy. So Peter A, can you tell us more about the work that Amy's been doing with Cancer Research UK? How did it come about and why was the partnership so important to Amy? Our chosen employee charity was Cancer Research UK Clare. So we went out, we reached out to our employees and asked them which charitable organisation were they most keen to support uh, during a two-year two -year period. Overwhelmingly, they supported Cancer Research UK, the largest charitable funder of cancer research in the world to prevent, diagnose and treat cancer. Our partnership officially started on the 7th of October, 2020, and it'll run for two years. There are three targeted ways that we're working with Jackie and the team from Cancer Research UK. First of all, fundraising. And we've set a target of £200,000 to be raised over our two-year period. Secondly, health awareness. Via CRUK's Cancer Awareness in the Workplace programme, we're engaging with our workforce across AMI as a construction family and listening to the scary stats that both Jackie and, and Peter have shared with us earlier on. We've calculated that 13,000 additional people are at risk in construction and in the construction family from cancer. So it's a really important cause uh, for our people across AMI. Volunteering is the third area. Opportunities to support CIUK in, a, in their stores and at their events. And we've seen 
are people really engaged, Claire, and really connect? And I think that's because many of us have been touched by cancer, either directly or we have people in our organisation or our friends and family are touched by cancer. So it's really struck a chord with our employees in Amy. It's the responsibility of employers as well to support their employees' awareness of these issues and the contributory factors that Jackie has spoken about. If Amy can help employees understand the impact of their lifestyle choices and the importance of early diagnosis to help save lives, then it's just the right thing to do. The team at CIUK have been fantastic to work with. Their partnership teams have invested so much time with Amy and our people, building our relationships and our partnership priorities and supporting us throughout with their knowledge and guidance. That's really interesting to understand exactly how the partnership works that in the way you've got involved at so many different levels. Jackie, can you explain how you've worked with Amy in the partnership and what benefits it's brought for the employees and Amy itself? Yeah, it, it's been fantastic, actually, Chair. So we launched the Cancer Awareness in the Workplace programme with Amy back in November 2020, um, as Peter said. And we received over 1,100 responses to our survey, which allowed us to identify priority areas for Amy and to tailor the programme, particularly the bespoke communications that we share on a monthly basis. So our topics include smoking cessation, sun safety, early diagnosis and screening programmes and diet. So last year we delivered 17 cancer awareness activities, including face-to-face and virtual. So that reached 617 AME employees throughout all activity. 555 of those were at nurse health stands and then 62 through cancer awareness webinars. Now, I was fortunate to attend the first face-to-face safety stand-down days after the easing of, of lockdown. And these were in Stafford at the beginning of October 2021. And Amy's staff were really interested in the standard and really very welcoming and friendly. Um, I was able to discuss individuals' concern and give advice about some of the small changes that we can make to our diet and our lifestyle to reduce that risk of cancer. It was great to hear afterwards, actually, what I really, it's lovely to have feedback. And it was great to hear after that someone had stopped smoking as a result of one of the conversations we had. Um, And they're still a non-smoker a few months later. And they were determined to stay that way. And, you know, that's what makes my job so rewarding. And we always like to get feedback from the activities. And we had some great responses to our feedback surveys. Um, And obviously, we evaluate that as a research organisation. We're really strong on evaluation. And our evaluation so far has demonstrated that 99% of employees would recommend our activity to a colleague. Um, 92% that they did have a better understanding of the ways they can help their health. And 60% showed an increase in their readiness to make positive changes for their health. And that's a really important statistic. And then it's really good for Amy um, to hear that 80% of respondents felt more positive towards Amy as a result of the health engagement. 
So, you know, we, we really want to thank Amy and the teams there and their wellbeing ambassadors who've made all this activity and engagement possible. So I'm looking forward now to attending more safety stand-down days this year. And I know that I'm already booked in to join the Amy teams in Staffordshire, Wales and Liverpool. And, and that's just a start of, of the bookings in the calendar. Sounds like there's lots and lots of positive points there. So Peter A, from your perspective, what are the main successes of the partnership for Amy as an employer? Okay, so I, I think the three key areas, Claire, for us, firstly, is health awareness. CIUK have an amazing cancer awareness in the workplace programme with a dedicated team who talk around earlier diagnosis and healthier lifestyle choices. Jackie is one of the great nurses who has engaged with our teams right across Amy. They presented at our depots and hosted webinars for our employees to share invaluable advice and support. The second area is our fundraising. We've raised over £168,000 so far, and we're heading towards our £200,000 target over the two-year period. It's truly humbling and inspiring to see and hear the stories of how our people have got involved so far and how they are continuing to support such a fantastic cause. And the third one is our volunteering. COVID hasn't made this area quite so straightforward, but there are plenty of opportunities to support CIUK in their stores and at events. And we've been doing some fantastic fundraising and really getting involved across the organisation, Claire, as well. That's really good. So I'd like to look now at the work Seeker has done with Cancer Research UK, which covers a broader part of the industry. So Peter C, can you outline how you've worked with the charity and the steps you've taken as an organisation to address the increased cancer risk of people working in the construction sector? Yeah, certainly I will, uh, Claire. Thanks for that. Uh, well, just to, as a, as a, a prelude to that, the, the Stop Make a Change campaign, we started it, so sort of sowed the seeds of it in 2016, and then the first campaign ran in 2017. Um, however, we were introduced to Cancer Research UK in 2019, um, there, and there was an immediate connection between what we both wanted to achieve in the industry. And as Jack has already alluded to, Cancer Research UK had carried out their own analysis into the incidence of, of cancers in the construction industry. And this certainly aligned with our own understanding brought about to, you know, through working those working directly in the industry. Um, and also my role on the board of Constructing Better Health, as was at the time, who had quite stark statistics even then, uh, even you know, 10, 15 years ago, around the prevalence of cancers in men working in the construction industry. Um, so, you know, it was a no-brainer to, to get involved. I should say, for those who don't know how Stop Make a Change works, we, we have a series of what we call conversation starter cards written by a behavioural specialist to elicit an open discussion with often small groups of workers around popular topic areas such as uh, working from heights, slip, trips and falls, working around moving machinery, etc. And these are usually facilitated by the site supervisor or similar, you know, who are well versed in that topic. But, but we realised that having a, a conversation about cancer could well prove tricky. It's obviously a delicate matter and, you know, not something everyone wants to talk about. So initially we didn't have a specific 
cancer discussion topic within the Stop Make a Change programme. We simply signposted those in the industry to Cancer Research UK so that they could find out more about what advice was out there. However, since then, and, and we're now in the fourth year of our relationship with Cancer Research UK, we've introduced a conversation starter card around cancers. Um, these cards are supported by a, a bespoke facilitator's guide written by Cancer Research, Research UK to help with the discussion piece. They've also provided further supporting material by way of posters and a couple of quizzes to help workers really start to have that discussion around cancer. I should say at this point uh, that the, the Stop Maker Change 22 campaign, which runs in October this year, um, the, the website is still being progressed um, and will hopefully be including more of the occupational cancers that I mentioned earlier. But if anyone wants to look and see what was available um, back in 21 and earlier, then simply just do a search under Stop Maker Change and they'll find plenty of information to use there. Like Jack has already said, you know, we and, and Peter, we've already had really positive feedback from contractors and clients. Um, in particular, I should say Scottish Water, who really took the campaign to the, uh, to the heart and ran a cancer awareness programme for a full week. And they've all you know, taken part in often very private and sensitive discussions, but with very positive results. And, and what has been really enlightening and is the willingness of some of those who have been affected by cancer to speak quite openly about it. And it really is a, a really, um, you know, a very focused message that comes from them. And, and it is this focus on the conversation that is so key to helping others engage in the process, obviously with the continuing support from Cancer Research UK. I suppose it's really important to make sure that people don't feel that they're alone if they're scared and worried about things or they've recently been diagnosed. There are other people out there who've been through the same process and same issues. Uh, absolutely. So, Jackie, how important is it to have the support of organisations like Seeker and Amy in order to drive for your change? And what other industry organisations are you looking to work with? Um, so, so, yes, Claire, we, we, CR UK are really lucky to be supported by a number of different companies in the industry in a, in a variety of different ways. So we've got long-standing relationships with both Scottish Power and Bellway Homes, but we've also done some standalone activity with companies like HS2 and Network Rail 2. But we know that we need to work with more contractors, more clients and more companies to help us reach more people within the industry and, and ultimately raise awareness and funds for Cancer Research UK. So if our listeners want to get involved at a company level, Jackie, how do they go about that? Oh, thanks, Claire. So listeners can drop us an email to um, corporatequeries at cancer.org.uk to find out how they can get involved and make a difference. Brilliant, thank you. And Peter Ray, have you got any advice for businesses that are looking to take the first steps on starting a partnership, like the one that Amy has with Cancer Research UK, that would help them fully deliver on their, their aims? Yeah, great question, Claire. Look, we've we've talked about a, a lot of the opportunities for our people to get involved, but if I can just touch on, on a couple of the real benefits. Um, we hear amazing stories from our people about what they've got involved in. We've got employees within Amy who've stepped forward with, with terminal cancer and they talk openly about their condition. One or two have set up bucket lists and we follow them on our, on our internal Yammer group. And it's truly inspiring to see what, 
what these people are doing in order to raise awareness and, of course, importantly, to raise funds. And we allow our employees in Amy two social impact days a year so that they can they can volunteer for great causes. Amy wants to support what our employees care about. And that's really important for us as, as a large organisation and for other large organisations out there. Let me just give you a flavour, if I may, of some of the fantastic things our employees have got involved with and the benefits that they've had uh, from their involvement. So we've done Walk All Over Cancer. Over 200 employees have raised over £35,000 by walking over 62 million steps during March, both in 2021 and in 2022. Our Early Careers Challenge encourages over 30 graduates and apprentices within AMI to complete challenges and raised over £11,000, smashing their £4,000 target, Claire. Amy's Centenary Challenge. So Amy celebrated 100 years in business in 2021. As a result of that, we had 100 themed challenges um, with over 300 employees taking part and raising over £33,000, which was match-funded by Amy. I myself rode 100 miles over a, a week's period. And I also completed the Snowden Challenge with, a member, with members of my leadership team. Individuals have raised over £33,000, completing their own personal activities. Most recently, 45 of our sites set up donation stations. 900 bags of clothing were donated, with a value of over £20,000 raised for CIUK. And plenty more, including pennies from heaven, where our employees can sign up to donate the pennies from their salary to CIUK, race for life, bake and brew sessions, and recognise national campaigns such as World Cancer Day. And when we get feedback from our employees about some of the fantastic causes that they've supported, how positive they feel about their work and the work of Amy, then it's an absolute win-win relationship. But it's really about creating the opportunity. It's not just a tick box, e box exercise for the employees. They've got to actually create the opportunity for staff to actually make a difference and make a change themselves. Absolutely. It's all about uh, employee engagement, Claire, getting people on board, getting them aware, opening up the conversation, making lifestyle changes, raising valuable funds, and of course, volunteering to help CIUK as well. So you'd advise firms to perhaps take time to actually plan how they're going to deliver this, how they're going to create that opportunity rather than rushing what into we it. Did, absolutely. Reached out to CIUK, engage with their teams early on and, and work up a programme with Jackie and her teams. Some really inspiring stuff and come up with some new ideas. We can all share new ideas and if they work fantastically well, then even better. So Peter C, I can see you nodding there. Would you offer the same kind of advice to companies that wanted to get involved as well? Uh, well, without a doubt, yes. I mean, it is. Uh, the thing is, it's it's quite easy to do uh, when you've got willing partners on, uh, certainly on one side through Cancer Research UK, and the help is there, without a doubt. So just uh, just uh, engage with Cancer Research UK, and you will be uh, warmly uh, rewarded and guided through it. So brilliant. So Peter C, what further steps do you think the we need to take as an industry to reduce increased cancer risk and bring the construction sector in line with the risks faced by the general public. 
Uh, well, again, that's a great question, Claire, and one that we could probably spend the rest of the day talking about, but uh, I'll keep it brief. Um, I mean, one of my mantras on this uh, topic area, and, and there, are, there may well be some listening who think who've heard it before, but I make no apology for repeating it. And I know I sound, and I also apologise for sounding a bit like Tony Blair, but it comes down to education, education, and education. We do need to educate and and make those that are not only in, make those aware that not only in work but those about to enter work, and this is the key for me. And this could be aimed at you know school leavers or even younger. We need to educate the future workforce about the potential dangers of you know breathing in carcinogenic substances, etc. And I know it seems a bit nanny state, but I just don't think we do enough in this space, you know, in particular. But because in many instances, it's it's not actually what you can see that does the harm; it's what you can't see. It's the tiny particle that entered the bloodstream that can do the damage. So, you know, at the same time, we don't want to put people off coming into the industry. So we do need to change how we operate and we need to get the balance right. Which brings me on to a, a couple of other points, really. Um, one being the old uh, chestnut of cost. Um, and whilst I can hear everyone ticking in a virtual sharp gasp of air, uh, but there is still a lot of work to be done in this area as well, I think, especially by clients and, and dare I say, tier one contractors who can influence the supply chain in a positive manner. So it's not a criticism, it is just a, it's an open comment about the, the ability to uh, affect the stakeholders uh, and the supply chain in a, in a positive way. And in fact, it's only last week I attended a, a conference aptly held at the, uh, at the BMA headquarters in London, where the message from key industry figures was that clients need to step up and ensure that adequate funds are made available so that appropriate measures can be put in place right from the word go and and, and on a similar vein I, I, and this is where it gets a little bit holy grail but i think we've got to aim high i think all projects um regardless of whether they're public or private you know should set an agenda at the start of the project and i include concept stage here so even while the project is being formulated to effectively map out how the project will be carried out in a way where no one is made ill by their work so, you know, we're asking, it's a plea to uh, CEOs, managing, managing directors, project director, directors, for them to ensure that a high level overarching strategy is established at the outset of a project, you know, which will look at how health, safety and well-being can be managed at every stage. And, and I think, you know, this radical approach should start to bring about a much needed change uh, around how we, you know, design, construct, operate, maintain, and even demolish our infrastructure assets with the net result of improving the, you know, the health of the workforce and reducing or even eliminating occupational cancers. So there's some pretty hard challenges ahead, but there's plenty of things we can work on there. So Jackie, just before we finish today, where can people go to get help to understand and address the risks they face if their employer does not yet have a partnership like Amy's? And critically, where can they go to get support should they find themselves diagnosed with cancer? They might be facing that alone. Oh, that, that's really important to get across, Claire. Thanks for asking that. So it is really important that information is, is research-based, that it's credible, and also that it's current, that it's up-to-date. So we, we don't recommend, obviously, general searches on the internet. We um, direct people to our website. So you could visit um, cruk.org. 
and also the nhs.uk website so they're both really reliable sources of current credible information but people can also talk to nurses so we have a free helpline um, and you can speak to a specialist nurse and they're there monday to friday nine till five um, and our helpline number is 0808 8004040 and anyone can ring that so if you've got concerns um, about your own health or if you've got a cancer diagnosis or you've got symptoms that you're concerned about um, if it's a, a colleague or a friend or a family member that you want to to help and so you need some more information for they're the people to talk to so it's for yourself, but also if you're supporting someone with cancer, so they'll talk to anyone. And also, if you wanted to talk more about exposure to risks and some of the ways you can reduce your risk factors, they're a massive source of information there. So I highly recommend that people give them a call. And then, of course, you can speak to your doctor um, and also your pharmacist. People, I think, still are reticent to go to their GPs or contact their GP. Um, but a lot of GPs now have got websites that you can post questions on in a very secure way online and, and get some information um, and have telephone conversations. But also high street pharmacists, um, they're trained to give information out and to signpost people in a really safe way. Um, so those are the sources that, that I'd recommend. Brilliant. Thank you, Jackie. There's some great resources there. And certainly don't wait if you're concerned about cancer. So thank you all for joining the Engineers Collective today. It's been a really interesting discussion. I do hope our listeners have found the conversation useful and are ready to take up the challenge of reducing cancer risk in the sector. We'll be back next month with another episode of the Engineers Collective. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities. Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash the Engineers Collective.